Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin chapter 14 in the book of Mark. After days spent in Jerusalem leading up to the Passover, the plot to arrest and kill Jesus begins to take shape. In this chapter, a lot will take place very quickly. It begins this week with relative calm, but the undercurrent of betrayal behind the scenes. And the chapter gets very dark before we conclude it. This chapter also serves as a reminder that out of the ashes of the darkest and most evil of times and events, God orchestrates and brings about his good purposes according to his love, grace, and sovereign will. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Murder, Love, Betrayal. The point is, Jesus was comfortable with all kinds of people. He, he did great hanging out with the fishermen. He, he was great with the peasants. He dealt with the rich. He dealt with the slaves. He dealt with the prostitutes. He dealt with the lepers. He dealt with all the other outcasts because all that Jesus cared about was their souls. He was completely without the pettiness that we so easily fall into. We judge and resent those who are significantly wealthier than we are. Then we look down on people who are poorer than we are. And we readily feed our already inflated view of ourselves. Now there's a a spate of books out there and preachers who say that Jesus is especially on the side of the poor. And they're right. Just like he is also especially equally on the side of the rich. Oh, and and he's in love with the middle class because the only issue that matters is your heart and your attitude toward God, toward your Savior. Jesus does not promise to make you rich if you follow him. The prosperity preachers are liars and charlatans. That's not what the gospel is about. It's about you being reconciled to God. Jesus also does not promise to make you poor if you follow him. And there's not greater virtue in not having anything earthly. He promises any and all he will save you and use you for his glory if you will accept the free gift of eternal life. All right, back to the scene of the party. Judas was a thief as yet undiscovered, except to the omniscient eye of Jesus. Judas could be bought because he was a lover of money. Just imagine standing before God after you have pilfered from his son and the disciples for three years and then sold the Savior to be arrested. Well, Jesus would tolerate no criticism of Mary. Anointing a, a guest was a, was a mark of festivity and great honor toward the guest. And Mary's 
honoring went to extravagant lengths, but what she did came from a pure heart. What she did came out of her own profound personal devotion to Jesus. She had no idea that Jesus would say that she was going to be honored wherever the gospel went for all time to come. So Jesus was pretty clear, leave her alone. Leave her alone. All right, you've met the cowardly murderers. You've seen the amazingly devoted follower. Now, the dastardly betrayer. And again, I'll admit that the timing isn't crystal clear from connections in the text. The Bible scholars who compare and harmonize all four of the Gospels generally agree that what Judas did in negotiating with the chief priests um, to betray Jesus, that probably took place the day before the Passover dinner. In other words, they put that secret meeting on Wednesday and they surmised that Judas attended that meeting. That's one reason why the, the idea of a so-called silent Wednesday, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, it was normal for Judas to be out and about. They didn't suspect him when he went to do the things that he did. He was, he was the treasurer, and he would go, go put in their offerings for the poor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, Jesus may have well spent that day alone. We, we don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Now, verses 10 and 11 of Mark 14. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. Now, the then makes you think exact sequence, but that would, put, that would mean that Judas went to them the night of the party. Well, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really fit. I think it was right after the events of the Olivet Discourse. It, it doesn't matter how the how the then relates, and it could have been a few days before. We don't, we don't know. We really don't care. Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. They were glad when they heard this and promised to give him money, and he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. Remember, they didn't want it to be in public, so they were going to trust Judas to set him up. It's hard to fathom the hardness of heart of Judas, spend over three years with Jesus, steal all the time, become such a polished hypocrite that your your closest friends don't know that you're a hypocrite, never come to believe in the Savior that you've followed. That illustrates the desperate wickedness of the human heart. And it shows the incredible grace of God to call us to Himself. And remember, Jesus Jesus kept inviting Judas to repent right to the very end. So Jesus went to, or Judas rather, went to the leaders who were planning to murder Jesus. He agreed on the price. We're not told in Mark, but it was thirty pieces of silver. That was a a paltry price. That was the normal price that you would have to pay if your ox gored your neighbor's slave. That's the price that he sold Jesus for. And so from then on, he was looking for a good opportunity to do it. And that's why it's so cool that Jesus never let Judas hear where the Last Supper was going to be, where that Passover meal was going to be. We'll show you that in further texts. Now, here's what you need to get from this. 
God sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. As this majestic plan comes together, you can see that only a sovereign God could arrange all of these moving parts. The evil hypocrites who wanted to kill Jesus had no idea that God was using their wicked plan to arrange for his will to be done. They thought they were doing God a favor by killing Jesus, but not in the sense of him dying for sins. Their plan was to wait until after the Passover, probably after the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which followed the Passover every year. But God overruled their plans because his, it was his design for, remember what John the Baptist called Jesus? For the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was God's plan for that lamb to die on the Passover. So God used Judas, the quintessential hypocrite of all ages. Judas eventually allowed Satan to directly control him. God used Judas to thwart the timetable of the wicked men to overrule their plan and to get Jesus to the cross at exactly the right time, guaranteeing that God's timetable would be fulfilled. So, when you are tempted to wonder or doubt that God is truly in control of things, remember this situation. God used an exceptionally wicked man under the direct control of Satan himself to allow a group of wicked men to do his will and to do it on a schedule that God himself chose with them never understanding what was going on. That is amazing sovereignty at work. Now I'll show you next time how we know that Jesus made sure Judas didn't know the location of their Passover meal and time to arrange for the betrayal to take place there. It's just spectacular how Jesus orchestrated everything. And that brings us to, as we close, uh, several practical applications. I want to suggest to you a little four-word phrase that I think you can remember. Pretty sharp group. I don't see anybody here that doesn't look like they're awake. I think you can remember these four words. God is in control. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, let's pluck some things that we've observed in this text. God is in control of everything even when someone plots against you personally. Uh, we don't need to worry about those things. Is it, is it fun to have somebody plot against you? Eh, no. Somebody tries to get you in trouble on the job so that you might get run out of town so that they could be fired or they could, they could make themselves look better. Someone falsely accuses you. God is in control even when people are having late night meetings to plan your death. You don't need to worry about that. Something else. God is in control 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.